Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. This is 24-7 Sports Hub Radio. And now, with their always informative and often entertaining take on the sports news of the day, here are Jonathan Raggis and Jim Williams. Koji ready. He turns on the rubber, the 2-2 home. Swing and a miss, he struck him out. The 2013 Red Sox are the world champions and Boston strong. Bedlam at Fenway Park as the Red Sox clinch the World Series at Fenway for the first time in 95 years. That's right. It is Boston Strong as the Boston Red Sox are now the World Series champions. Good afternoon. I am Jonathan Raggis. Welcome to another exciting episode of 24-7 Sports Hub Radio. Joining me, as always, is my partner in crime, Jim Williams. What's going on, bud? Audio credit to WEEI and the play-by-play call of Dave O'Brien at the end of Game 6 of this uh, 2013 World Series. Good afternoon to you, John. Doing okay. And uh, we hope everybody out there staying dry here on the East Coast. We're getting pelted with some heavy rain and some oh, yeah. wind. Uh, a little windy. A little windy, windy, <laughs> as it were. But uh, we've got a packed show here. Uh, we have, uh, uh, you know, we, we've crossed our eyes. Uh, crossed our eyes. Crossed our teeth. Dotted our eyes. <laughs> I don't know you can cross an eye, but. <laughs> uh, well, well, it's very easy to cross your eyes. It, it is Friday. Easy. Everybody do the dirt by. It is Friday, so it is kind of uh, easy to cross an eye on Friday. We had some technical difficulties on Wednesday uh, trying to get a hold of D.B. Sweeney and him trying to get a hold of us. Our people have called his people. We have done lunch, okay? Not exactly lunch, but we're hoping to have have him on in uh, a little bit uh, during this hour together. Uh, Plus, we've got a lot to talk about with some exciting uh, NFL action and uh, some exciting NBA stuff. We have picks to make for Week Nine's uh, slate of games. Oh yeah, but, but we still have time for you, ladies and gentlemen. We still have time for you. You can join us in the chat room on the show page. Uh, sign in through Blog Talk Radio. You can sign in through your Facebook account or Twitter or what have you. You can join us in the chat if you have a question or a comment about anything or anybody we're talking with. Put it in there, and we'll uh, forward it on over the air to the persons or person uh, as needed. You can also give us a call, 347-237-5373. That's 347-237-5373. And if there is a click to Skype button, you would click that there as well, which I don't see on my window for some reason. But that's yeah, I don't know. It's uh, disappearing a lot for people lately, so that's but not we, good. But we've got to go back and we've got to start talking World Series here. Um, Absolutely. You know, Game 6, it's something about clinching games where Shane Victorino gets his stuff together. And he did with a big three-run double. Uh, and I believe it was the third inning that really was the differential and then some. Uh, they added another three runs the next inning, and the Red Sox just rolled 6-1, uh, to one, clinching uh, the championship for the first time, as you heard in the call. In 95 years, they have clinched at home in Boston. Uh, it was a party unsurmountable. And, That's amazing. Uh, we were going to bring you a clip. 
<laughs> do you wait a minute? Do you still have it on the soundboard before you, before I even say it? You know what I do. So let me uh, let now watch it work. Now let me set it up just for the heck of it. Okay, what we were going to play was a clip from uh, Dennis and Callahan on WEEI. This was from yesterday, Halloween morning, and uh, one fan, one fan from Lynn, Massachusetts, was going to call in, or he did call in, and he was. Uh, <laughs> Rather, rather truculent when it came to his uh, his thoughts and feelings on John Farrell and the managing misdoings he did in Game Six, especially on Stephen Drew, who had a shot in the fourth inning. Yeah, let's see if let's see if it plays now. That's how he sounded like. Exactly. He actually did sound like that. The guy. Cut it off. There we go. Oh man, it's like watching Ghostbusters too. <laughs> Oh, man. No, but what he went on to say, you know, more or less, well, you know, John Farrell, you know, got Stephen Drew in too long. He kept Blackie in too long. Well, actually, actually, you know what? I got I got a clip of what he was actually saying. You want to hear it? Okay. All right, here we go. Where are you going? The Hopper. Yeah, the Hopper. The Hopper. 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 The Hopper. The Hopper. 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 Shut up. Hopper. And that's what he was saying on the show. So that's the sound you hear that off in the distance. That's the sound of John Leary Jr. just wanting to kick your. <laughs> no, honestly, man. You know, it's, you know, most people when they talk, you hear blah blah, or you hear manamana. You know, when he was talking, I heard hoppa. Hoppa hoppa. Honestly, seriously, how do you call into a show a day or two after the World Series? And complain about the manager in his first season, I believe, right, with the Boston Red Sox. Right. Getting you to the World Series and snapping a 95-year streak. You don't I, do that. That's just... That's I'm just sorry, that. man. You know, listen, they won the game 6-1. to one. They needed only 3.2 innings to lock up the World Series in Game 6. Pretty much. I mean... Oh, and this is a case of a fan who is spoiled. Because, let's face facts... The Red Sox have now won three titles in ten years, one of the, uh, which I believe is the best run currently in baseball, the most championships in that time. And, and they're spoiled, and they're jaded a little bit by the fact that, ooh, now we have success, and we've done everything. We, we, we've we abandoned all the curses, and the, you've got, you know, it's like... That, you know, the way he was talking, it's like he had a mouthful of pastrami. Among other things, probably, yes. Uh, perhaps a mouthful of a- 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 alcohol as ooh. well. Who were the hosts again for the radio show? Uh, Dennis and Callahan. Dennis and Callahan had me dying laughing. They, were, they trolled him. Oh, man, it was great. What else? What else? Oh, let's fire Farrell. Let's, I mean, you know. Yeah, the, keep it going. This sarcasm coming from it was great. If you can look it up today to, to our listeners tuning in right now, if you can look it up, try to find that clip because it is, it, it, it is, it is comedy gold. Yeah, check it out on deadspin.com. That's where I uh, initially found it from. and It's a five-minute clip, but the, the caller's on there for like 245. Yeah, and it's uh, hilarious. Let's hear it one more time. No, let's not. Let's not. No, don't the do hopper. it. No. Yeah, the hopper. The hopper. <laughs> oh, that. Hopper. 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 The hopper. The hopper. 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 Shut up. Hopper. Hopper. There it is. <laughs> I love the last thing. Shut up. Hopper. Yeah, well, yeah, well, that's Leary saying shut up. Oh man. Like, How dare you use that accent again? Yes, our uh, good friend John Leary at New England. Sports Hub Radio 247 here on the 24-7 Sports Hub Network. He is it's a from, network. It's a he family. He's a big Red Sox fan from New England, from Boston. Um, now, now, I wonder if he's going to go to the parade tomorrow, the Duck Boat Parade tomorrow morning. I would hope so. Yeah. 
a lot of fun. And uh, he's not on. I was going to ask him, but he's he's not on. Well, let me let me ask you this: sure. since we're talking about the series, David Ortiz, the MVP, he had something to the tune of 688 for the series. He was intentionally walked not once, not twice, but thrice in the uh, clinching uh, game of the series Wednesday yes. night. Yes. There are many sports talk hosts, Colin Cowherd most namely among them, who are, and I think to a certain extent, rightly making the the query be put out there about whether or not Ortiz is on something. Considering you go back a few years ago, and, and you know, I know you're not a Yankee fan, but you know during that rivalry being a, a native New Yorker, yeah. the whole situation where for the last few seasons until maybe the last year or two, Ortiz was slumping like nobody's business coming out of the gates. He was hitting like 095, 100 the first month, month and a half of the season. Yeah. And now you see something like this, and I know it's a small sample size, but it's like he's rejuvenated. And in this day and age we live in, you have to say, wait a minute, something doesn't smell right here. You know, it's, you know, it. I asked myself when he went to the Boston Red Sox from his time with the Minnesota Twins, David Ortiz, and honestly, he, he, he did absolutely nothing from 1997 to 2002 with the Minnesota Twins. His first year with the Boston Red Sox, 30-plus home runs and 100-plus RBI. Mm-hmm. Under and, some other name, I believe. You know, name. honestly, it, it was five to six seasons. Does it usually take somebody to really heat up within six seasons like that? Mm-hmm. Usually not. You know, they, they, they kind of at least show you a, a, a hint, a glimmer of what they could do on the field. But it seems his numbers are just, you know, they started to taper off a little bit towards uh, 2008, started to pick up again. But now it's starting to pick up again. Uh, you know, this guy's 17 years in Major League Baseball. You know? And his numbers have, I mean, if you look at him, he does not necessarily pass the eyeball test as, oh, he's juicing. I'm not saying that. No, but a lot of other people didn't either, in, in my mind. Okay, um, fair enough. You know, uh, it, well, I mean, we, we can't all go from stick to, to you know, incredible Hulk like Barry Bonds did. No. No. So, no. Well, that's the thing, too. I mean, you know, with Bonds, you could see, you know, not only did you see it in his game, you saw it in his physical appearance. I'm sorry, but when your hat size goes up 19 sizes in two seasons. <laughs> um, There's yeah. your sign. Is Bill yeah, it's, uh, it's a little ridiculous. But, uh, yeah. you know, I, I hope not um, for the sake of the Boston fans since they rely heavily on Big Poppy and there's been so much that he's done for this franchise over the years. If it comes out that he's a known steroid user or he fails a drug test, I mean, you, you know, wow, man, do you, you know, I mean, in 2003, you go back to that, and the report that came out almost five years ago linking Ortiz to a, a, fail, a failed drug test, testing positive for something. But baseball also conceded that many other people pe- tested positive in that testing, uh, which, you know, nothing will officially be ever announced because it was off the record, per se, that, you know, it could have been just other legal supplements that they could have been tested positive for. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So... You don't, I mean, I don't want him to come out. I don't want it to be found out that he's using. Yeah. Or that he's abusing. I know, Again, I, forget, I, forget, forget the integrity of the game for half a second. But like you said, what he means to that city and that part of the country. He is the ambassador for that area. Yeah. And if you can't believe in him, who the hell can you believe in? It's no. kind of the mentality. No, honestly, with David Ortiz, if that ever came out, that's like, uh, you know, what, David Wright coming out from the Mets. Um 
you know, Chase Utley coming out from the Phillies. I mean, you know, it's a player that you... Oh, just saying, Mike Trout from the Angels. There it yeah, is. Absolutely. You know what? It's, it's, it's your big player, the one that you depend on, the one everybody looks to. And, uh, you know, it'd be a shame. I mean, listen, 17 years uh, in, in the big league, seven, uh, excuse me, 11 with the Boston Red Sox. He's not going to be Julio Franco. He's not going to play 24 seasons. I don't see that He's happening. He's not going to be Ricky Henderson. No. Exactly. But... 30 home runs, 103 RBIs, and an incredible, incredible playoff and World Series at 37 in 2013. you got to give him props. I take those props away, though, if it ever came out. I mean, there's no way that he would even be playing right now in my eyes if not for the designated hitter. There's oh, no way. No question. Although, I mean, he did play first base yeah, a couple it, of times, and he didn't look bad. He didn't look bad, but he doesn't play it regularly enough. So well, that's the thing, man. You're gonna play it for over a hundred games, or you're gonna play it for two or three games. I mean, exactly. To do it three games in the middle of a seven-game series—that's one thing. Uh, to do it on a regular basis, and it's not that he was a horrible fielder per se. He was average at best. Well, he played six games uh, in the regular season at first base. So that was uh-huh. 39 innings he played there at first base. 100 another 29 games DH. So there you go. You know. It's a it's it's a far cry from uh, you know when he played 34 and you know 80 games at first base you know years ago. So, but honestly, I mean you know what you look at his fielding numbers. He's he's been a DH his whole career. Mm-hmm. You know he's mostly been a DH. So, one other bit of baseball news uh, that came out: uh, the Nationals officially announced and welcomed Matt Williams as manager. Yeah. Uh, uh, I believe that was yesterday that happened. Matt Williams, manager of the Nationals. I this is his first managing job in the bigs. Hey, listen, man. You know what? We're seeing a lot of uh, first timers coming in and doing good. John Hamburg just up by ninety five. Yeah. Why not? You know why not? It, it doesn't hurt. So yeah. Well, and, and especially you know what? If they don't think that there's anybody else out there, that's good for the job at the time. You know what? Yeah. Why not hire Matt Williams for a season or two and see what happens? So. Mm-hmm. So. Good All stuff right. there. Let's you know. Let's bring in our guest because joining us right now is actor DB Sweeney. DB, how you doing, man? Just great. How you doing? We're doing real good. Thanks for joining us, man. We we finally got you, and we're happy to have you here. Yeah, sorry for the miscommunication on the other one. Oh, that's okay. Hey, it happens. It happens. Of course, DB Sweeney, uh, the star of a brand new movie that's out in theaters today, will be available on demand not long after, called Underdogs: The Movie, and we're going to talk about that momentarily, but. You have quite a history when it comes to doing movies uh, that have sports as the as the main central theme. Of course, the most notable one, and, and I, I want your opinion on this, uh, Eight Men Out, which was, was many years ago, not to make you sound old or anything, which you're not, of course, back 1988. They've been showing it on MLB Network a lot as of late. Are you surprised by the reception the movie is getting some 25 years later? You know, it's great. Uh, it's uh Terrific to have a couple of movies. That one, The Cutting Edge, Memphis Bell, uh, Lonesome Dove, Fire in the Sky. i got four or five movies that people seem to put in uh, over and over again. And, uh, you know, Eight Men Out is, is my personal favorite, so it's very gratifying to me that the people uh, uh, continue to watch. I guess it's kind of a tie with Lonesome Dove. Those are my two favorites I've ever done. What, what, and, uh, what, mm-hmm. what is it about Eight Men Out that becomes – what is it about the movie Eight Men Out that makes it your favorite movie that you've done so far? Well, I was, you know, I was a baseball player, and so the idea of getting to, uh, to do a movie about, you know, the, the World Series and the, probably the greatest scandal in, in, in sports, um, you know, it was such a good script, and John Sayles, such a good director, and, I, you know, I had but John Cusack and Charlie Sheen were buddies of mine, so making a movie with them was fun, and, you know, it's, it was just, uh, all, all things considered, it was just, uh, it was really just a great experience all around. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. So, so, so that's actually one of the questions I was going to ask you later on in the program. If you could go back and get to redo a movie, would that would that be Eight Men Out? Well, you know what's funny? Uh, I, they actually asked me to play Shoeless Joe Jackson in Field of Dreams after I had finished Eight Men Out, and oh, wow. uh, I thought, and I thought that that's going to be too weird to play the same character in two different movies. Mm-hmm. And if I could go back, I would I would redo that decision. I would I would absolutely have loved to have been in Field of Dreams. That was a wonderful movie, and uh, wow. uh, so. But as far as Eight Men Out, you know, I, I I think that we did. You know, it's it's kind of a, a, a you know it holds up pretty good. The baseball's pretty good in there, and there's. One thing I would love, uh, there's one shot in the movie where I hit a triple and there's no edits, and that was some something that was really uh, an ambitious thing to do, and John thought we could do it because I could play. Uh, and I had to, had to hit the ball into right center, you know, within a range of sort of, I had to kind of hit it into a box about 100 feet by 30 feet in order for the shot to work. And, and then the right fielder had to field it, throw it in, hit the cutoff, throw it to third, and then, uh, you know, everything had to work. And on the third take, I hit it in the perfect spot right off the wall, uh, it bounced right into the box where we needed it. The guy picked it up, and I'm coming around first base, and I'm uh, coming around second base, and the guy misses the cutoff, so the tape mm. is blown. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. All the things i got to do, all you got to do is hit the cutoff. And uh, uh, so then it took us like another 15 takes to get that shot, you know, exactly right. And by then I was exhausted. So I had yeah. a little bit better shows in the movie. I'm moving okay in the movie. I was moving better Wow. So we're so you so you were basically the first choice to play Shoeless Joe Jackson in Field of Dreams. Did you turn down that role and that's how Kevin Costner got it or No, no, I, I was to play Shoeless Joe was uh, actually Ray Liotta was a great actor ended up playing. Oh, it should be yeah, Ray Liotta. I'm sorry. Yeah. And uh so you know that, that happens all the time and I'm not trying I'm not trying to embarrass it's so other people have mentioned it so that's the only reason I, I'm not trying to embarrass anybody by saying that. And there's always yeah. There's movies I was offered that I didn't do. There's movies I did that other guys were offered. So, I mean, it, it, it's kind of the way it goes, and it's, it's no reflection yeah. on anybody involved. It's just for me, personally, it was my own stupidity. <laughs> Man, I never knew that. That's great. You know, going back to it, you know, we're you know we're talking about Eight Men Out, but when I speak to other people, you know, when I say your name, D.B. Sweeney is going to be joining us today, the first thing they come to is the cutting edge. I mean, is, is that what fans come up to really – you know, knowing you from is the cutting edge instead of Eight Men Out or your time on Jericho or from Hardball or some of these other places in movies. You know, I, I would say that's the most common movie, especially yeah. you know with women. You know, <clears throat> that's the one that they always uh, you know that's a that's a chick movie and uh, no getting around <laughs> it. But it's it's a chick movie guys can watch, and uh, you know I'm very proud of that movie as well. It's uh, Tony Gilroy wrote it, who's uh, the best writer in Hollywood, wrote all the Born Identity movies. He wrote Michael, uh, um, what's the movie with George Clooney, Michael Clayton. Um, and, he, and he's written so many great movies, and he's like Hollywood's best script doctor. And that was his first script. And it's just a really great, great script. And Moira Kelly was just so lovely to work with, and she's so good in the part. And so, I mean, I'm very fond of that movie, too. I've, I've been very fortunate to be in some movies that, that, that hold up pretty well. Yeah, that was a great movie. Let's go to uh, Two Tickets to Paradise. You did a lot for this movie, didn't you? I did, and it wasn't kind of one of those deals. I've watched some other independent movies where somebody's got their name in the credits like 15 times, and I'm sort of like, I, I get it. I get it. An independent movie did a lot of things. So, I mean, I wasn't trying to make a point like that. I didn't even want to direct it. But yeah. uh, this is one of those cases where I, you know, I, I asked two people to direct it, and they both said no, and they won't be embarrassed for me to say their names, but Ron Shelton... Um, the director of Bull Durham, I asked him to direct it, and he had something else going on, and I asked Ed Harris to direct it, because I think he's fantastic in every way, and he said, no, I'm not going to, 
I don't feel like directing a movie right now, but uh, but I, I want to be in it. So that was a great mm-hmm. gift for him to, to be in the movie. So I ended up directing it kind of by default because once I got through those guys, I started looking at who I might be able to get to direct it. And I looked at the names on the list, and I thought, well, I could wreck it as well as any of them. So you know, there's no sense, you know, turning over control of it to you know just to just to get somebody else to do it. And I thought I'm just going to direct it. And uh, the same thing happened with producing it. You know, I, tried, I took it around to a few studios, and they they were interested in the movie, but they wanted to tell me who was going to be in it. And it was real important to me that it be East Coast kind of guys. I didn't want to have like you know West Coast style actors in this movie. You know, about like when you watch a movie like uh, uh, what's that one with Travolta and. Uh, uh, and Buzz Lightyear, um, came wild, wild hogs. And, oh, wild hogs! I watched yeah. that movie. I watched that movie, and it's like these guys are all supposed to be, you know, best friends. And and you know, it's such a Hollywood movie. Those guys would never be friends. They're all guys that clearly just met that day at the uh, makeup trailer. And uh, you know, and I really thought it was important for Two Tickets to Paradise to have this feeling that the three guys in the story, for the audience, there's no doubt these guys have known each other for you know for their whole lives. And you know, John McGinley and I went to NYU at the same time. And uh, Paul Paul Hip is a guy who I've known for 15 years, and he's from Philadelphia. And McGinley's from New Jersey. I'm from Long Island. So it was really important that we had that feeling. And uh, so I ended up producing the movie with my own dough and all the money I had and all the money I could borrow. And uh, you know, so that was I didn't plan to do that either. But so it was just sort of these were the most expeditious way to get the movie done. Hello. Whoops, sorry. Hello? We lost you there for a oh. second. Sorry about that. We're here. Oh. Well, yeah, you know, you know what? We were talking about, uh, you know, the cutting edge earlier. Um, you know, you started doing celebrity hockey. I used to do a lot of stuff for the New York Rangers back in the day for Ranger Nation and came across some pictures of you doing a lot of celebrity hockey stuff and uh, donning a Rangers jersey. How did you get into that? Was it based off of your, you know, role as a hockey player from the cutting edge? And are you still doing uh, some celebrity hockey games now? I haven't done a celebrity hockey game in a while, but I wouldn't rule it out. I mean, it's a lot of fun to get to those big arenas and play a game, and a lot of times, you know, you get to be on a team with, uh, you know, some one of your heroes and uh, a retired guy, or you know, who's still playing. And the Rangers were so good to me. I was living in New York when I did the cutting edge, and I had to learn to skate to do that movie. And my friend Ron Greshner had just retired, and Ron thought it would be hilarious to put me on the Rangers alumni team. And so he did, and I had been skating for about two months, and so I'd go out and practice with those guys, and then they put me in a game against the Islanders alumni out in Long Beach, and there were about 3,000 people in the arena, and uh, and they gave me a jersey, and, and I, had, I had to have the cage on because I'm getting ready to make a movie. I couldn't, you know, I could, wouldn't be able to explain to MGM that I took a puck in the face and we got a delay. Ooh. So I got the cage on, and in the warm-ups, I'm standing by the glass, and I've got jersey number 42, and this fan behind me is, is I, I can hear him through the glass. He goes, I don't know who 42 is, but he must have had a lot of injuries. <laughs> I was moving like, like a broken bus. And, uh, but I had a great time in Pierre LaRouche and uh, Pete Stemkowski and yeah. all those great Rangers. What I didn't realize, I scored two goals in that game, and I, I didn't realize. Yeah, I thought I actually was getting pretty good at this, but Pierre LaRouche and Gresh had set up a wager where whoever could score off my stick was going to win the bet. So they, these, they told me to go to the net, put my stick on the ice, and I thought, well, that's good hockey advice. But what I didn't realize was that they were actually gambling off of my stick. Oh, man, that's great. Man, oh, man. Talking with D.V. Sweeney, if you're just tuning in here to 24-7 Sports Hub Radio, we'll be talking in a moment about the new film Underdogs with uh, with D.V. here. By the way, it, it, can you drop a couple of names of a couple of celebrities that you've played hockey with who are better than you might, that, you know, we, we hear their name and you're like, oh, he wouldn't play hockey, but he's actually good. Can you drop a couple of names? 
Well, the, the biggest surprise probably, not for people who know him, but for people who don't know what a good athlete he is, is Cuba Gooding Jr. is a very good oh, hockey okay. player. And he and I started around the same time. Um, there's been a bunch of guys that have come out. Well, there's a group of, uh, when I'm in Los Angeles, a group of guys that, I, that I'll get out there and skate with. Uh, Mike mm-hmm. Myers has dropped in. Uh, Dennis sure. Leary is a pretty good player. Um, let's see, David Boreanaz comes out and plays. And oh, yeah. uh, Matthew, uh, Matthew Perry's been out. Um, Michael Fox, before he got sick, was, was out there with us. I don't know if he still skates or not, but I hope he mm-hmm. does. He's a fun guy to be around. And uh, um, let's see, there's a few other guys, but th- that's pretty much the, uh, the usual suspects right there. There you go. Hey, nothing wrong with that. Some people have Hollywood poker nights. You guys have a Hollywood hockey night, for goodness yeah. sakes. It's a beautiful thing. The best, the best two players are Canadian guys, uh, Cameron Bancroft, who has been in the, mm-hmm. you know, you have to Google him to see the shows he's been in, and Lachlan Monroe. Lachlan Monroe was a really good player, and he actually had ambitions to play professional hockey. So those two guys, when they come out, they're, 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 sort of, they're a step above most of the rest of those Hollywood guys. Yeah, they, they take it to that next level, as it were. Uh, yeah. Let me ask. Let me ask you a general question, DB, about movies and sports, because you've done a number of movies that have sports themes in them and are based either you know fictitiously or realistically around uh, sporting events. What is it that you think, you know, for lack of better terms, seems to make sports translate so well to the big screen as opposed to other current event storylines? Was it about sports? Is it is it the relatability? that makes it translate better to the big screen than other uh, different uh, plots and what have you? Well, I think the, the, the stakes in the sports movie are built in, you know, whether it's a, a movie like Rudy where, uh, you know, the, the whole objective is to, to make the team and get in a game and the audience can very clearly understand that struggle. Or if it's a story about, you know, the, the, the underdog, you know, coming from behind and winning, which is the story, obviously, of underdogs. Um, the, the most popular uh, sport in the history of movies is boxing. Because in boxing, you know, you have action, and you know who the winner is, and you know who the loser is without any dialogue. The one guy on his mm-hmm. back, he lost, and the guy with his hands in the air won. And one of my big complaints with baseball movies over the years that I think Cade Men Out addressed really well is that in baseball, there's only two possible results to any at pass You either strike out or you hit a home run because they feel like people are too stupid to, you know, the studios and people who make baseball movies feel like it has to be that obvious. Mm-hmm. And I think Cade Men Out, you know, we had – double plays and we had you know obviously my character has a triple and we did a bunch of things that had never been done in movies before and everybody said oh that's all too esoteric you can't do that and uh you know so i think um more and more uh there's been a movement towards you know the studios realize these sports movies really work like with the blind side you know there's a lot of football in that movie and, and of course miracle which i think is one of the greatest sports movies ever made Absolutely. I mean, the, the hockey in miracle is just unbelievable there's another movie i wish i'd been in oh sure absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, we actually did a uh, show here not that long ago. I, I think it was about a year ago where we rated the best, uh, you know, hockey movies, the best basketball movies, and Miracle was uh, up there. Um, it didn't get number one. It got number two. Everybody else voted for a slap shot. So. Yeah, you know what? You've got to give the edge a slap shot. But the hockey yeah. in Miracle is ten times better than the hockey in slap shot. Oh, oh absolutely. absolutely. And based, based off of the, the Miracle on Ice as opposed to slapstick comedy at its finest. But, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah there you go. I, let's segue in and talk about Underdogs, the movie. Uh, by the way, people can go and check out the trailer right now if they want a little piece of it at underdogsthemovie.com. This is based a little bit uh, off of uh, something that happened in rural Ohio, which is the birthplace of football. I mean, everybody thinks, you know, with the Friday Night Lights mentality we've had for the last 10 years, thanks to the book and the movie, that everything's bigger in Texas. Well, and not for Ohio. It really wouldn't have happened. And uh, give us the setup for, first of all, how you got involved with this 
movie, how you uh, found out about it, and why you decided to join up on, on, on the cast and what have you, and a little bit about the story uh, of Underdogs. Yeah, you're absolutely right that, uh, you know, everybody associates high school football with with Friday uh, with Texas because Friday Night Lights, and, and rightfully so. I mean, there's nothing like, you know, that, that West Texas football is, is great, and I think that, that movie especially was fantastic, a TV show. But mm-hmm. Ohio football is equally passionate. I mean, when you drive around, you know, in Can- we shot it in Canton where the Hall of Fame is, and, and in that area, the uh, you know, the Massillon Tigers are sort of like, you know, they're, they're bigger than the Cleveland Browns. It's, it's you know, the fans – support and people are talking about it all the time and you know when the schedule comes out for the next year people are making their plans and nobody's going to get married on that weekend because you know it's 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 crazy so in in that world um we have a a story about the school st thomas aquinas which is the perennial doormat and uh you know the, the school is actually in trouble financially a lot of familiar elements in hollywood movies um and uh they bring in a coach who's uh got a checkered past and he's sort of, uh, you know, on his last chance and that's the guy that I play and he's got some strange ideas and some unusual things he starts doing and they start working and, uh, and the team starts winning. So for anybody over the age of 15, you know, this is not the most original storyline, but the movie was intended to be for people maybe who haven't seen every movie. Like my 12 year old son saw this movie. He thought it was great. You know, he thought it was like the citizen Kane of sports movies, you know, because he hasn't, <laughs> he hasn't been inundated with this story all through his life. But there's a reason that we retell this story because, you know, the lessons of uh, hard work and dedication and perseverance being rewarded is, is a kind of a classic, you know, story and it needs to be retold. So, uh, so I'm very proud of the way it turned out. Those stories never, ever go out of style. And I'll give you, I'll give you a compare and contrast with actually a baseball movie that came out a couple of years ago, Moneyball. I took my, my then-girlfriend to see that movie. She didn't know anything about baseball. She didn't know the Oakland Athletics from, you know, the athletic trainer, as it were. But she was so captivated by the story, and she was rooting and getting into the, into the, the plot and what have you. And I have a feeling she would love this kind of movie, too. And most anybody who doesn't know the backstory about this, they'll get, you know, captured into uh, everything that's involved in this. It really does look like a great, uh, a great film. Uh, correct, us if I'm wrong on, correct me if I'm wrong on this. It's out today, right? It is out today in, in about 10 cities, and that's going to be the theatrical run. If it's in a city near you, you can go to the website, Underdogs of the Movie. But then... In, in uh, Thursday next week, it comes out in video on demand, iTunes, and everywhere else. And you know that's kind of the wave of the future now. Is people are mm-hmm. able to either go to you know day and date is going to be the same for many uh-huh. movies except for maybe the biggest Batman's. I hope your girlfriend likes the movie. It's a big trade down from Brad Pitt and Moneyball to DVC and Underdog, <laughs> but but uh, I you know but maybe she can struggle through it. There, <laughs> no, I know. I'm just I wanted to beat you to it. No, 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 no. I. I... I beat myself up enough. I, that's fine. That's fine. But and actually, you, may, you mentioned something. I'll just tangentially ask you this as well very quickly. You mentioned the, the platforms for this movie as opposed to many theatrical releases. And, and you, you know as well as I do, box office numbers being what they are as opposed to what they were 20, 30 years ago. Do you truly believe that, say, 15, 20, 25 years from now, the way all movies are going to be released will be via digital form, via iTunes, via the Internet, via on-demand, as opposed to John or James Q. Public going into a cinema? Well, I think the cinemas have to continue to evolve. And, you know, they, they have this concept in, uh, in Texas called the Alamo Draft House, where, you know, you go to see a first-run movie, and they have pretty good bistro food, and you can have a beer or a drink. And, and you know, it's a little bit more of a, 
uh, of an event. I mean, I, I, I still can't believe that, that the movie industry, uh, the theater, the, the exhibitors, they make all their money in popcorn and, and milk duds. So yeah. for them, you know, they, they continue to overcharge for that crap. I'd rather, instead of dropping 15, 18 bucks on popcorn and some candy and a soda and a bad hot dog, I'd rather drop 30 or 35 bucks and maybe have a beautiful steak sandwich and a, and a craft beer or something like that. And, and that's what Alamo Draft House is about. And I think that that's going to be the wave of the future because the, the whole experience, you know, you, you, you know, you have your own refrigerator and your screen and your sound is probably approaching what it would be in a 16-plex, the smallest screen in a 16-plex. Some people have things like that in their house now. So absolutely. I think that, they, you know, they're going to have to evolve or perish. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we wanted to ask you about this, too. We, we just came across this a little while ago, and that's Letters from Hollywood. Uh, you, you helped put together this site where uh, actors and actresses can float letters out to, uh, you know, our amazing troops overseas. What made you do this website, and what was the response like from your fellow actors and actresses uh, in order to write letters to the troops overseas? Well, it's been, uh, you know, it's been really rewarding for me over the last, you know, most of my career I've, I've had some interaction with the troops, and then after September 11th I felt like, you know what, I want to do, I want to try and be more activist and try to get out more often and try to get overseas at least once a year and go see the troops, and, and it's not, it's not the easiest thing to do. I mean, obviously, if, if Tom Hanks or Scarlett Johansson, they call their publicist, their publicist calls the Pentagon, and they're on an aircraft carrier. It's no problem. But for, yeah. you know, most of the rest of the people in show business who don't maybe, you know, who are, you know, are not sort of like the biggest names in Hollywood, it's like, how do I reach out to the troops? I can't just show up at the guard gate at Camp Pendleton and say, yeah. I want to go shake some hands of Marines. And so I, I've built up all these connections over the years in, 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 in all our different branches of service, although my Air Force connections are not great. But the other branches, I have people, you know, that I can call and say, hey, who do you know at Fort Bragg that I could send an email to because I'm going to be in the area filming? I'd love to go down and meet some soldiers and, and, and say thanks. And, and so I can make that happen for myself fairly easily. But for most people, they can. You can call the USO, and the USO is very effective at doing uh, a lot of different things, and, and it's a great organization, but they're, they're a big organization. So they're, they're good at, like, getting Toby Keith to Afghanistan to do five concerts, you know, and it's a big, huge deal. But to bring one guy from a TV show, they don't really do that. So I was trying to set up a way where if just to, just to get, get past that initial resistance that some, you know, actors or, or singers or celebrities or whatever might have about reaching out, and just if they wrote a letter of thanks, they don't have to go to Afghanistan or Iraq or Korea initially. They can just yeah. see what their feelings are, put this thing out there, and then they're going to start to see people come up to them in the airport and say, hey, man, I saw that letter. Thanks. I hope you come and see us sometime. Mm-hmm. It was just meant to like sort of start the conversation between um, the entertainers and the military because a lot of people that you know, are in show business grew up in L.A. or you know, the Valley, and, and not that many people from that area join the military. They tend to be from you know, southern states and Midwest states. And upstate New York too. I don't want to leave out my people, but you know, mm-hmm. it's it's uh, you know, it, it's it was meant to be uh, something where a non-controversial way where people could reach out to say thanks, and and it's been been great. I mean, a lot of people have gotten on board from Joe Montagna to Gary Sinise to Cuba Gooding Jr. and people can go to lettersfromhollywood.army.mil and uh, read them. You don't have to have a uh, password or anything like that. You can just go look at all the letters that people have written, and uh, and it's just it's been very gratifying for me. Yeah, yeah, that was the other question I had too, because we, you know, uh, Jim and I were reading the letters earlier today. Now, how do these celebrities know to come to letters uh, from Hollywood in order to write? Because I see, like, you know, Ted Nugent. You have our very good friend uh, Kenny Albert up there, uh, Paulie Walnuts from Sopranos, and so many others. Do you reach out to them, or do they, you know, know about it and say, "Hey, I, re- I really want to write a letter"? 
Yeah, it's it's been. Uh, I would love if anybody's listening, or if you guys know anybody uh, um, that wants to write a letter, please forward them. You know, get them to me. But it's pretty much me just recruiting. I mean, there is a there's okay. a, a link through the site where somebody could go and you know send a message to you know to the web administrator and so forth. But we we want everybody we can get, and especially women, because let's face it, most of the military is men, and I got a lot of guys on there. I'd love to get some more. You know women to send a message because, you know, if I'm sleeping under a Humvee in the desert, I'd rather have a message from a Dallas Cowboy cheerleader than D.B. Sweeney. But, you know, I, I, you know so any, anybody who's listening or anybody you guys know yep. that wants to get involved, it's just, just it can be three lines or three paragraphs or three pages, whatever you want it to be, and the, and the messages are very impactful. A lot of people see it. Yeah, absolutely. We definitely know a lot of athletes over here, so we'll definitely pass that on to them. Hopefully they'll uh, write some letters for the troops because they deserve it. Yeah, and he, um, he said he was going to get me one from Siragusa. That's the one I want. There we go. Oh, there you go, Tony Siragusa. Yeah, come on, he's the best. All right, well, I guess I'll we'll have to reach out to him for you. So. <laughs> Good now, you know, I, I have to ask you because, you know, we were talking about sports movies, and you got to work with one of the biggest basketball fans in the world, and that's Spike Lee, uh, you know, with Miracle of St. Anna. How is it working with Spike Lee? You know what, Spike, I've known Spike for a long time. I'm not, we're not like, you know, close friends or anything. Where, but uh, he 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 was a Knicks uh, ticket holder, and I was a Knicks ticket holder back in the late '80s. And his he kept getting closer to the floor, and I kept getting higher up. So uh, you know, we our paths went different directions. But uh, he's a huge sports fan, and and uh, you know, I, I I bumped into him one time at Fenway Park uh, back uh, when he was just starting to get his career going. I was getting mine going, and we both had this, uh, you know a pass, like a media pass. And we were sneaking around the catacombs of Fenway Park trying to see where this pass would get us. And I sort of bumped into him in a hallway where we, we each thought the other person was a security guard coming to kick us out. And uh, we just sort of had a laugh over that because we, we were of the same mindset. And, you know, he's a great guy. He's a great sports fan, and he's made some very interesting, provocative movies. And I hope he hires me again because uh, it was really fun being over there in Italy. And, you know, and uh, it's, you know that's kind of right in my power zone there to play, uh, you know, a colonel in the U.S. Army. So it was, really, it was really fun three or four weeks that we had there in Tuscany. It's like... Come make a movie with Spike Lee in Tuscany was a pretty easy answer for me. Yeah, yeah it was a great movie. So now that um, Underdogs is done out in theaters today, what's what's next on the uh, list for you? Well, one thing I'd never done until this fall was a uh, sitcom. And I've always, uh, you know, I started out in theater. I did about 40 plays before I ever got hired. And the sitcom is, is filmed before a live audience, and it's, you know, it's very immediate. And uh, so I guest starred on uh, Two and a Half Men, and it was on last week. And I'm going next week to do another one. I hope it turns into a long relationship or, or I get another, you know, situation out of it. Because it's so much fun doing, uh, you know, just to, to do it live and get the immediate feedback from the audience. And, and um, so I really, that, I think that really fits into a lot of my strengths. And I kind of got typed into being a real kind of serious actor in the beginning of my career, but my friends know I'm a wise guy. And, you know, I started out, at, you know, I was a failed stand-up comic before I became a, a successful actor. And, and uh, you know, so being in front of the audience and doing jokes to me is, that's the best job you could have. Yeah, I mean, you know, you get the immediate response, like you say, that, you know, you know you're doing things on the right path, and we wish you the very best. We hope you uh, become the latest in what has become, uh, for that institution, Two and a Half Men, another great recurring character. Yeah, you know, it's it's been really fun, and, and John Cryer and I did a play together about 32 years ago, so when I first started doing my first scene with him, I was like, man, it just feels like, I know it doesn't feel like yesterday, but it is funny how when you work with somebody, you know, there's kind of a little bond that you can draw back on no matter how many years go by. Mm-hmm. That's great. That's great. I do have to mention this, though, too, because she asked me to do it. My friend TJ, she wanted me to let you know that she named her son 
after your uh, your strange luck character, Chance Harper. Oh, that's fantastic! Yeah, that was you know that was a great show. That was my first TV show, and uh, boy, I wish they I wish they had stayed with that a little bit longer. I mean, we I think Fox was so drunk with the success of uh, X Files that they thought any show they put on at eight o'clock before it would get huge ratings, but no show uh, since in the 15 or whatever years it's been since then has gotten anywhere near the ratings that we got, and uh, they still canceled us. So it's, it's too bad, but, uh, you know, at least we did those 17 or 18 episodes, and, uh, I, you know, I don't even, they've never come out on DVD. I don't, I don't know what it is. It feels like a conspiracy, but I'm not going to be the one to chase it down. <laughs> it could be. It is Fox. So. Yeah, enough said that. All right, D.B., well, you know what? We want to thank you so much for uh, taking the time out of your very busy schedule to join us. Glad we were finally able to get you on here today. And, uh, we, you know, hopefully we can get you back on in the near future. I'd love to do it. I may come in and be in the studio with you guys sometime. All right, that would be great. We would love that. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks a lot. Have a thank you one. so much. Honor and a privilege, sir. Thank you. That was uh, actor D.B. Sweeney joining us. Great, great stuff from D.B. Very nice guy, classy guy, and a uh, phenomenal actor, Jim. And again, remember, underdogsthemovie.com. Check that out for the trailer. It's in select cities today. A few days later, it will be available on demand on iTunes and, and the whole nine yards. Yeah. And, of course, letters from hollywood.army.mil. You can find out about what he and his uh, band of celebrity friends are doing to uh, boost the morale of those who are fighting to uh, help keep us free and brave and what have you. So uh, yeah, yeah, good absolutely. stuff there. Yeah, it's a great idea, man. I'm, I'm glad, you know, a guy like DV's doing that. And, you know, going to keep my word, going to reach out to a bunch of people and hopefully uh, some of these athletes we know that have done our show. And and, know, and maybe some of the other, yeah, exactly. And some of the people we're going to have on in the next week or two, because this is a November to remember. Absolutely. We, we have some great, great shows coming up. I, I, you know what? I guess we'll take the time to plug them now before we get into uh, NFL yeah. And, uh, you know, joining us on Monday is former NBA player Billy Owens is going to sit down with Jim and I to talk, what else, basketball, because it's the beginning of basketball season. So far, it's been a very good tip-off to the season. And then on November 6th, join us is actor-comedian Joey Gladstone. No, I'm just kidding. Dave Coulier. <laughs> I knew you were going to do Mr. Woodchuck joins us. Yeah. Uh, that's going to be a lot of fun. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, I mean, it, listen, it's going to be a, it's, it's going to be a good show. Um, Do we get know, a really can do we get a cameo from the Jackalope from America's Funniest People? <laughs> That'd be great. That would be great. If, if he got a nickel for every time he heard that, he'd probably have I, a nickel. You know, I'm sure. You know, people just. You know, that's why. You know, I, I wanted to ask DB Sweeney that too, and I forgot. I wanted to ask him how many random people come up to him and just say "topic." Uh, you know, <laughs> but I'm sure with David Coulier, so many random people come. Hey, can you do Bullwinkle for me? Or hey, can you do put it out? Yeah. You know. And I'm sure uh, Dave Cooley probably does it for him because why not? You know, it's it's uh, it's always good to be remembered. It's so. the ultimate compliment to to a man's career, I think, or a person's career, I should say, to be remembered as such. Especially for people that are in their um, you know late twenties, early to mid late thirties that you know grew up watching Full House, grew up watching um, the the real Ghostbusters cartoon or the Muppet Babies because he did the voices for uh, you know Peter Vankman and he also did the uh, voice for Baby Bunsen, I, you know. He, he he was a big staple around that time. So sure, absolutely. You know, and it's great to be remembered. Uh, so we'll talk to uh, Dave Coulier on November sixth and uh, find out what's going on with him and in, in his career right now, and uh, also talk hockey with him because he is a very very big hockey fan. So I'm sure he'll have a few choice words about Peter Laviolette. 
I mean Paul Holmgren. I mean the Flyers. No. <laughs> if he, actually, actually, I believe he's a Red Wings fan. So. I won't. Well, he is. He is. I, I won't hold that against him for this interview, though. So it's okay. Well, he's seen more championships than both of us. So. Easily. Uh, all right, man. Let's get into the NFL, and we did have a game last night, Jim. And guess what? Andy, Andy Dalton returned to earth a little bit last night. Uh, you know, every time we talk about the Cincinnati Bengals, we kind of throw out there the fact that, well, what Andy Dalton are we getting this game? And over mm-hmm. the last few weeks, he has been automatic. Just oh, absolutely. A, just a monster. But it didn't end good for Andy Dalton and the Bengals last night. The Dolphins walked away with a 22-20 to 20 overtime win. Why? Because Cameron Wake sacked Andy Dalton in the end zone for a safety. There are no words. I mean, it was it was just a, a unique game. It was a game that, quite frankly, Cincinnati had in hand, I think, uh, at a couple of points where it seemed like it heading into the second half, uh, yeah, back and forth at times, and somebody's paging the hopper. <laughs> what do you got, a beeper, man? Come on. I don't know. No, no, that's my 2013, and you're walking around with a pager. That is not a pager. Are you a doctor? And we don't know about it's my, it? It's, it's my handset phone, and apparently somebody in another room was trying to see where the other handset locator was. So yeah. that goes off. No, but, I, I mean, you, you know, to your point, if I can make it without that beeping again, Andy Dalton just three interce- he threw three interceptions, 338 yards, but, again, that key number, 53 pass attempts. That did not do him any good. Well, that and the three turnovers, I mean, ouch. Well, yeah. Ouch, 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 ouch. Because he he hasn't thrown a, a an interception in a couple of weeks now, right? Yeah, yeah, that that that's true. Uh, Tannehill was was you know all yeah, right. Actually, you know, no, yeah, he actually threw one last week against the Jets. So mm-hmm. Tannehill, by comparison, twenty or twenty eight for two oh eight. He didn't throw a touchdown, but he didn't throw any picks. But this is a, this is a situation where the running games took over. Uh, Tannehill ran for a touchdown uh, from a yard out, uh, but Lamar Miller. Hello, 16 carries, 105 yards, including a 41-yard big gainer. Giovanni Bernard on only nine carries, two of which were for touchdowns, uh, 79 yards for Cincinnati. Uh, Neither quarterback was setting the world on fire. The running games were good. And, again, especially like you mentioned, it's all about offensive awareness and, to a certain extent, knowing where you are. And, well, Dalton still has to learn. Yeah. When you're when you're just a couple yards away from your own end zone, and pressure mounts, you throw that thing away like there's no tomorrow. As long as you can get out of the pocket. So. Yeah, absolutely. Now, before we get into our week nine picks, Jim. Yes. I got to tell you this, and I want you to remember this for when we have Dave Cooley on the air with us. Yes. Uh, our my my very good friend Chris Decker, who is uh, one of the writers over, with us over at Ranger Nation and where Nation dot net, sent it over to me as well. But my wife. Oh. Told you about it last night as well. Full House, a 2014 sequel series, is in development supposedly. Well, you know, you know what the kickoff of it, the kicker from this being, recently the new version of Boy Meets World coming back. Exactly. Yes. It's it's bring TGIF back. Yeah. Supposedly it's going to be centered on DJ and and Stephanie. Would be nice if uh, you know Candace uh, Bure now, as we call her, since that's great and. Uh, Jody Sweeten would come back for the roles. I mean, honestly, man, if they do this and none of them come back for the roles, it wouldn't be the same. Well, you know you're not getting Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen. They're, they're too I, I Honestly, at this point in time, I wouldn't want them on it. Neither, neither would I because, well, have you seen what they look like? Not good. Not good. 
Yeah. But uh, but, uh, but Jody Jody looks great. Uh, you know she's. Oh yeah, you know they all do. It'd be nice to see, uh, you know, Lori Loughlin, John Stamos. You know, Lori hasn't can... aged. That's the scary thing. Yeah, yeah, she looks, she, she looks every bit as good as she did. Is you know, Becky. Oh, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. I mean, you know what? Too everybody just loves the show and they remember, it, especially when I don't know if it was on Jimmy Fallon or whatnot, but when they had Jesse and the Rippers play recently. Yes, that was great, man. That was that, was, that complete with the hair and everything. But now, of course, you know the one ABC TGIF esque. Sitcom I want to see come back. Step by step. No, no. I'm I'm perfect strangers. Oh God, that would be amazing. I actually had the uh, you know the honor of meeting um, Bronson Pinchot. Pinchot, yeah. uh, great guy, man, and uh, he's doing a lot of stuff. I think uh, for HDTV or something, he's got a show on. H- yeah, 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 I believe you're right. Yeah, so. amazing stuff, man. It, it would be nice to get some of these old shows back, but that's something we definitely have to to uh, talk to Dave Coulier about and see if he knows anything about it. I'm sure he'll probably deny it because why not? It's because uh, that would, that would, you know, like we're going to get the exclusive over entertainment tonight. Hey, but hey I'm, I'm, it's still not going to stop me from asking. Cause that's going to stop you show. now standing tall on the winds of your dreams. Absolutely. Absolutely. Rise and fall on. The, all right. That's enough. Let me get my pad here so we can make our week nine. And we're both 0 and one to start the week. So that's exciting. I can't believe it's week nine already. Unbelievable. We talking week nine. All right. Well, we're both zero and one already since Cincinnati sucks and they got creamed last night in the end zone. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I guess we're going to start with the six and one New Orleans Saints taking on the four and th- uh, four and four New York Jets. Where you got this one? Remember, uh, uh, quick sidebar to this. I know we're pressed for time here a little bit. Are we not? No, we got forty minutes left. Oh, if we need. Okay, that's good to know. Um. Rex Ryan versus Rob Ryan. This is the fifth time these two bros have met up. Every time they've met up, Rex has been the victor. So he's 4-0. That's going to change because, sorry, the Saints are for real. Uh, New Orleans will win this one. Yeah. I'm going with New Orleans as well. Sorry about that. I got a little sidetracked. I just got a uh, a uh, text message here from a very good friend, Blackcomb Daniel, that there was uh, shots fired at uh, LAX. Oh, someone opened fired on the TSA supposedly. So, oh my goodness. Hope everybody's okay in Los Angeles. We'll uh, we'll check that out here. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, man. The eight and zero, yes, eight and zero. Andy Reid and the Kansas City Chiefs taking on the three and five Buffalo Bills. If they had a steady quarterback, this could be a trap game. I'm talking about Buffalo. Right now, they're going to pull, pull somebody out of the stands to be quarterback at this point. Uh, I'm going to go with Kansas City, uh, though it'll probably be closer than it really should be. Yeah, Kansas City's numbers are a little um, misleading in, in my mind. Uh, Kansas City has been coming down to earth a lot as of late. Um, the last couple of games, the scores were really close. They beat the Houston Texans by one. They lost. Uh, excuse me. They won by one possession against the Browns last week. They're eventually going to lose. Is it going to be against the Buffalo Bills? No, I got KC. Okay. All right, man. We got the one and six Minnesota Vikings taking on the four and four Dallas Cowboys. Where are you going with this one, Jim? On a bounce back because they're going to be so ticked off. Dallas wins. Yeah, I'm going with Dallas as well for this. To me, it's a no-brainer right there. And I believe Christian Ponder's going to be the quarterback, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I don't. I'm not sure. I don't think it'll matter, but you know, just yeah, I don't think it's going to matter either. You know, if it was Matt Castle, I think it would be a different. Scenario, but if it's between Freeman right now, I, I still think Freeman's going to be a lot better than Christian Ponder for this Minnesota Vikings team. But I think Ponder, uh, excuse me, Freeman needs a little more time with them. So, 
The three and four Tennessee Titans taking on the three and five St. Louis Rams without Sam Bradford. And now Kellen Clemens. Who you got here? Kellen Clemens, uh, not horribly bad, though. He did a decent job the uh, first time out of the gate. Yeah. That being said, I'm going to uh, go with Tennessee. I'm going to go with St. Louis on this one. Ooh. Um, not because of Kellen Clemens. I'm going to go with because I just think the Rams have a better team than the Titans, and I think if they can rely heavily like they did last week with Zach Stacy, I think they can get a little bit more out of him and hopefully get a couple of touchdowns this time. So we shall see what happens, Jim. Difference of opinion number one. There you go. All right, the San Diego Chargers, 4-3, and three, taking on the 2-5 and five Washington Redskins. San Diego wins this one, but it won't be pretty. Yeah, I'm going with the Chargers as well. Still think Philip Rivers is uh, having a great, great year. I think if you had a better team around them, though, it would be a lot different for him. Dollar Phil. 2-5 Atlanta Falcons taking on the 4-3 and three Carolina Panthers. And Cam and Newton. Cam and Newton? Uh... I'm going to go with Carolina because they're all – here's the scary thing. They're starting to put it together, including a running game. What Agreed. a concept. Carolina Agreed. wins. Yeah, I would, I would go with the Falcons here if we had Roddy White and Julio Jones, but there is no Roddy White or Julio Jones. I'm going with Carolina. Yeah, you just got Harry Douglas. Again, check UrbanDictionary.com, and you will not like the term Harry Douglas. Oh, okay. That's disgusting. I'm just I'm – just, I'm not even looking at it. I know it's disgusting. Public service for our, our loyal – Friends and true, okay? I'm trying to help them so they don't do that. Unbelievable. All right, well, yeah, here we go. BTR cares. <laughs> they do. The three and five Philadelphia Eagles, your Gosh. Philadelphia Eagles, and Nick Foles getting a start this weekend, yeah, taking on the three and four Oakland Raiders. I'm torn because Foles is starting, and I have a feeling he'll do better than he did last time out. But I'm going to pick Oakland because I think Ter- uh, Terrell Pryor is going to chop. Dice, Mince, Julianne, and uh, help me out. I need another uh, uh, cutting term here. Cut through, cut through the Philadelphia Eagles defense like a hot knife through Bada. They're going to push it up. I'm going Philly. you sick masochist. I'm going Philly. <laughs> okay, tell me why. Um, I like Foles. I think Foles uh, is going to do a good job for uh, Philadelphia. And you know what? I like Terrell Pryor, but if they can't get anything from Terrell Pryor in the pocket in terms of throwing touchdowns, I just don't see the Raiders winning many games. I, I mean, they, they are 3-4. and four. They're doing a lot better than a lot of people thought they were. Mm-hmm. But for them to really succeed, Terrell Pryor has got to really turn into a quarterback and not be a running back. So. Philadelphia secondary, though, is among the worst in football. So if, if, if he's going to get out of the slump he's in in terms of throwing – it's this week. It, it, it would help. It would be this week, but it's still Terrell Pryor, and you know, I'm 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 actually not worried about Oakland against Philly. But okay, we'll see what happens. All right, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 0-7 taking on the 7-1 Seattle Seahawks. No brainer. Where's the game being played? Seattle. Seattle, Seattle next. Next. Seattle. Uh, Baltimore Ravens three and four taking on the three and five Cleveland Browns. This is a little bit of a toss up here in my in my mind. It is. And how amazing is this? Jason Campbell is relevant. He is relevant. He looked good last week. He looked good. He he did. And I and I'm picking Cleveland, but not even for Jason Campbell. This Cleveland defense is very, very good. Yeah, I'm actually going with Cleveland myself for that. If this was the Baltimore Ravens team of last year or the year prior, Baltimore hands down. 
go with the new Cleveland Browns and not the old Cleveland Browns. But exactly, but it's not. So Cleveland as well in this matchup. The two and five Pittsburgh Steelers taking on the six and two New England Patriots. <sighs> How can I word this? No brainer. Uh, no, I don't think it's going to be the no brainer you think it is because again, the Steelers game, ain't winning this game. They're not going to win the game. You're right. New England will win, but Pittsburgh's going to play them better than you think. What well, what's the line on this game, pray tell? New England my... by seven. And I honestly think it's New England by seven because of the question marks around Tom Brady in his hand right now. And honestly, if if you're playing a point situation there, I would take Pittsburgh, you know, in that situation, but straight up I go New England. I think it's I think it's a four point game. I mean I want to see New England lose every single game of the season. There's no question about it. But right. yeah. I don't know. Hop I just up. think uh Yeah, I just think that's gonna be So so another so duck boats hop out, there we go. Duck boats hopper. All right, man. Duck boats in the hopper, or hop in the duck boats. Five and two Indianapolis Colts taking on the two and five Houston Texans. Well, Arian Foster's healthy, and they got they, Case Keenum wasn't bad, but it's Andrew Luck. But the question becomes, how can they do it without Reggie Wayne? Can they do it without Reggie Wayne? For this week, the answer is yes. I'm going Indianapolis. It's going to be a close one, though. Indy's got the line by three. Uh, I, okay, well, like I said, I said it was Indy in a close one, so yeah, I'm going to go with the. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go with Indy as well, but if Case Keenum has a monster game and the Texans win, I wouldn't be shocked, to be honest. True. Um, you want to pick Monday's game? We're going to save that for Monday. Let's pick Monday's game. Let's pick heck? Monday's game. All right, the four and three Chicago Bears taking on Aaron Rodgers and the five and two Green Bay Packers. Is there a quarterback in this league who does more with less than Aaron Rodgers? Yes. Who? Tom Brady. Mark Sanchez. Enough about Pablo Dirty. Uh, uh, Green Bay wins this game. Yeah, I'm going Green Bay as well. Because they've got a running game now. No question about it. They, they may have a two-backed running game. Because if Starks is going to pick up like he did last week as well, you know, you could have a two-headed monster with Lacey uh, leading things off. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, uh, there you go. So we have two differences of opinion. And now watch, we'll split on it, as always. Yeah, probably, man. We'll probably end up both 10-1 and one somehow. And then we'll, we'll be both in the hopper again. It'll hopper. be wonderful. Hopper. The hopper. Yeah, the hopper. The hopper. 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 The hopper. The hopper. 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 Shut up. Hopper. <laughs> I just can't get enough of that. I think that's... It's, it's, it's truly one of the great commercials of all time. I love it. I love it. All right, let's uh, stick with the NFL trend there. We had some crazy tweets come out over the last couple of days um, from former Arizona Cardinal Hamza Abdullah. And, yeah, I wonder uh, why he's former after what we're about to read. Yeah, he's not playing anymore, right? He is um, in the league right now, correct? I'll have to check on that. Go ahead and go ahead and set it up. I'll check. Well, he took the Twitter, and of course he took the Twitter to talk about I guess the physical uh, concerns he has not only for himself but for other uh, NFL players. So let me – Jim, I'm just going to go down and read these tweets. Um, a lot of curse words, but I'm going to try to blink them out. As yeah, he, has a, he, he took off the 2012 season to make his pilgrim to, uh, pilgrimage okay. to Mecca and hasn't played since. So Yeah, so he most likely will never play in the NFL again, especially after the tweets. So, not after these words. Let's start with these tweets. Okay. F you NFL for not taking care of players' families. F you NFL. It's not poor choices by the player. It's the effing NFL loading the gun and us pulling the trigger. 
There's a reason 80% of former players either go broke or get divorced within five years of leaving the game. FUNFL for wanting players to kill themselves so you can show the slaves, in, qu- in quotation marks, what life off the plantation is. FUNFL for the slave trade you call the NFL Combine, where you strip us of our manhood. FUNFL because you are the plantation and we are the slaves. Hashtag, if you think otherwise, you are delusional. FUNFL for denying players their benefits and making us go through all of these effing hoops. We just thought, assumed, we would be taken care of after we were done. Every player understood the risks of playing football. We did it and would do it over again. FUNFL for lying to these people and denying the fact that football causes brain damage. Um, FUNFL for doing your former players the way you're doing them. FUNFL, NFL, NFL. Um, he, he did have some frightening tweets after that, Jim, talking about um, death, saying, I thought about that, meaning, I guess, suicide, and the only reason I won't is because I am Muslim, but I do think about if my family's life would be better if I wasn't here. Every time I go to sleep, I pray that Allah takes care of my family just in case I don't wake up, and quietly, I'm disappointed sometimes when I do wake up. I'm married to a beautiful wife, have three beautiful children, and is fi- and I'm financially good, yet I don't want to wake up. There is a problem with that. I fear the thoughts that creep into my head, and I guarantee you others are having them. Hmm. Um, after these tweets, of course, uh, Scott Fujita, former NFL linebacker, came out onto Twitter saying, What if I told you that there's nothing overly rare or unique about Hamza Abdullah's feelings? Many players agree, but he's speaking up. You read all of this, Jim. Mm-hmm. We've spoken about concussions in football. We've spoke, spoken about the lawsuits. We've spoken about the health concerns. What did you think of Hamza Abdullah coming out and talking about this in the manner he came out and did it? That's the that's the key phrase there, the manner in which he came out and did it. Mm-hmm. There's a way to publicize and a way to make your feelings known. Yes. Dropping F-bombs usually is not that way. Yes, it'll get you talked about initially, but by the same token, you won't be taken seriously. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that said, do, does Abdullah have every right to say what he does? Yes, he absolutely does. Does he make valid points? Yes, he absolutely does. It's just he, he didn't do it the right way. Venting on Twitter when he could have instead opened up to HBO or ESPN or or, or a major outlet, like like a real sports. That would be the perfect outlet for this kind of the, uh, you know, uh, thought process, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, or outside the lines on ESPN or something along those lines to let it be known. Uh, again, players know what they're getting themselves into to a certain extent, but the NFL thinks, ah, you know, it's all him, man. We can do whatever, whatever, whatever. Uh and the fact that Scott Vegeta kind of backs his play, that says something, I think. That really says something. There's a lot of plays that are out there having the same problems. Unfortunately, we saw what happened to former um, you know, Chargers linebacker Junior Seau, who committed uh, suicide last year um, already um, you know, due to brain injuries, concussions, whatever kind of thoughts were going through uh, you know, Junior Seau's mind at the time, kind of leads them to do... Um, something drastic like this because they just don't think they're good enough to be around anymore, good enough for their families, and they don't want their families to suffer by them being around. And, it, you know, it's it's really sad. I mean, you know what, reading the first tweets with the F-U, 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 that he kept throwing at the NFL, something must have happened that led Hamza Abdullah to take the Twitter in such a rage yesterday. Um, I believe it was yesterday or the day before. Either way, to, you know, to, yeah, to take to, you know, to the NFL in such a rage. Um 
to talk about this, whether it's maybe he put in an insurance claim and it got denied or whatever. Either way, it's a damn shame, especially when you read about a guy who's saying, you know, he's got such a beautiful wife and three amazing kids. He's good financially, but he's disappointed when he wakes up in the morning because he's waking up. Um, that's hard. That's hard to even read. Um, you know, I, I, I feel bad for Hamza Abdullah. I feel bad for, um, you know, Junior Seau and his family. It's, it's a terrible thing. But I honestly don't know how it's going to stop. You know, it's, it's, it's a physical, grueling game. Helmet-to-helmet hits are, you know, you can't stop that, Jim. You can't. You, 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 can't. Can, you, can, you can make it as safe as you possibly can. It's kind of like with NASCAR. Yeah. You could put in the safe barriers to it's, try to alleviate the impact of crashes, but you're not going to stop crashes from happening. It's with any game that could, you know, that's physical. Hockey as well. You know, how many times do we see somebody get bashed into the boards and come out either paralyzed or, you know, broken vertebrae in their neck, bad concussions? I mean, we're seeing a lot of concussions in, in hockey now, too. Oh, yeah. So it's, you know what, you can't, you can make these games as safe as you want, but I honestly believe, excuse me, by trying to make these games safe, and I'm doing the quotation marks with my fingers right now, unfortunately you can't see me, is you're going to make that lead to more injuries, Jim, and I, and I, and I totally believe that. Mm-hmm. I totally, totally believe that. If you can't hit the way you learn the game, and all of a sudden they're telling you after 30 years of playing the game, you have to hit this way. It's very hard to do. It's, it's very hard to shock. Yeah. It's culture shock. You have to retrain your brain, and that doesn't happen with a toggle and a flip of a switch. Yeah, it's. it's um, I can't remember who it was. I, I remember. I remember we were talking about it with um, the former Bengals player who had all those knee surgeries and his knee. They just had to amputate his leg. You know. So okay. Well, guess what? He doesn't have the concussion, but he still got a physical, Im- you know, injury that I'm sure he's probably wishing he wasn't alive right now. Because his leg's gone, he's going through all these infections, all these surgeries, his, his leg just looked, oh man, we saw the picture, Jim, and his leg just looked, uh, honestly, like it came out of a horror movie. Like it was just, you know, hacked with an axe, you know, 50 times. Uh, disgusting, mm-hmm. uh, basically. And, uh, you know, it doesn't matter whether it's a concussion or they're going to come out with back problems and they're going to be a basic cripple, you, you know, after their career, you know... It, you just can't make it safe. It's a physical contact game. You can't make it safe. Mm-hmm. You're you really absolutely can't. right. It, it, it's impossible to... Uh, the only way you make it safe, and I say this somewhat sarcastically, everybody plays in a bubble. We have 11 bubble boys on each team. And even then, you know... Yeah. It's, it's, again, it, it, you know, the points raised are, are valid. It's just the way he raised them. They, they they pretty much negate any legitimacy to what he was saying, sadly. Yeah. Rightly or wrongly. So. Oh man, I tell you, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. All right, let's uh, let's let's get to a little NBA action from last night. We had two really good games last night, and uh, one came down to the final seconds, and one was a decent win led by probably the best point guard in the game right now, Jim. I totally believe that. Let's start with the Knicks and Chicago Bulls game. The Bulls won 82-81 to off of a Derrick Rose floater over two Knicks players, Tyson Chandler being one of them. Tyson Chandler. He's back. Yeah. He, well, you know what? I don't want to say he's 100% back yet. He still shot 7 of 23, but he got that clutch shot to full. Um, he's going to get better and better, but the Bulls are now 1-1 one one in the season as well as the Knicks are 1-1. One one. Knicks were sloppy in the first half. They really came back, though, at the end. 
Um, but it just shows you that a lot of people are balancing new players on the roster um, the beginning of the season. And honestly, the first few games don't count. But it was a good game last night. Bulls won 82-81 to over the New York Knicks. The uh, late game of the night was the Los Angeles Clippers defeating the Golden State Warriors 126-115. to Very, very good game. 38 points um, from Stephen Curry. Kid is yeah. just a beast. Nine assists. Andre Iguodala, 14 points, 11 assists. David Lee, 22 points for the Golden State Warriors. But the, uh, you know, the story of the night was Chris Paul. And mm. I tell you right now, in my mind, the best point guard in the NBA with 42 points, 15 assists, six steals. DeAndre Jordan, 17 rebounds. Blake Griffin with a double-double, putting up 23 points and 10 rebounds. And like I said, you got to have a good bench. Jamal Crawford coming off with 17, giving him a big boost as well. So... Paul, by the way, Paul, by the way, the first NBA player with at least 40 points, 15 assists, and five steals since the league began recording steals in the 73-74 season. Yeah, crazy. crazy. Big game from him. Big Absolutely. game. It's going to be good. We have, a, uh, we have 13 games for November 1st tonight. Including the best team in the Eastern Conference, your Philadelphia 76ers. Wow. Now, let's, now let's talk about that for a second. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody thought... Not I. Because we're going to win this game. I Not didn't I. think it. You didn't think it. Mike Jarek from Fox 29 didn't think it, and he had to draw a 76ers logo on his head with a Sharpie yesterday. While dressed like Robin Thicke. Yeah. Um, it was crazy. But Michael Carter-Williams, man, he really surprised a lot of people. He looked, he, he looked like an NBA veteran. Remember, though, this is just one game. It is. Out of it's eight. one very big game. Now, does that boost the morale? Of oh. the players on this roster, no question about. No question. It. Does it mean that we're going to crown their cha- crown them champions? Well, unless you're Michael Barkan, no, no, uh, no. It, it's it, you know, it, it was a great win. It was a statement victory to say, hey, we're not going to tank the season purposely. Um, and you've got to believe the players on this team. Anytime you're you're in that kind of situation, you're asked these questions day after day, week after week, month after month. You feel you've got a big chip on your shoulder, and this 76er squad has big chips on their shoulder to prove. Uh, now, could they surprise everybody and be a 35-40 win team this year? That would be a surprise to me, and they could do that. I still think they're going to be one of the worst teams in the league when all is said and done, and I'd love to eat crow on that. You don't know how much I would love to eat crow on that. Uh, it's just, you know, a great win. Now, of course... Some will say, well, there wasn't a – Dwayne Wade would, didn't play. Well, we still beat two of the big three, okay? Beating LeBron and Bosh is nothing to sneeze at. Yeah. Um, oh, man, I tell you, it was a good game, though. I, I really enjoyed watching it. That was a fun game, fun back and forth. I didn't get to see it until the third, fourth quarter. Uh, but one of the best game, one of the best opening games of the season, I can yeah. remember in some time. Uh, but like you mentioned, big slate of games tonight. Big, big slate of games. 13 games on the bill tonight, and let's go through them real quick. Cleveland Cavaliers taking on the Charlotte Bobcats. The New Orleans Pelicans taking on the Orlando Magic. Your Philadelphia 76ers, Jim, taking on the Washington Wizards. And to my mind, they should be 2-0 tonight after that game. Which not, means they'll be 1-1. One one. Go ahead. Nah, I don't know. Uh, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm not too uh, happy with the uh, Wizards. I got uh, you. Toronto Raptors taking on the Atlanta Hawks. The Milwaukee Bucks taking on the Boston Celtics. Hopper. Dallas Mavericks taking on the Houston Rockets right after Mark Cuban says Dwight Howard made a huge mistake signing with the Rockets and not the Mavericks. So that's going to be a good one. Yes. The 1-0 Detroit Pistons taking on the Memphis Grizzlies. Oklahoma City Thunder taking on the Minnesota Timberwolves. 
the Miami Heat taking on the Brooklyn Nets in what's going to be a very good game, probably the better game of the night. The Trailblazers taking on the Denver Nuggets, Utah Jazz, and the Phoenix Suns. And let's see, oh, two, we got two more games. The Los Angeles Clippers taking on the Sacramento Kings, and the San Antonio Spurs taking on the Los Angeles Lakers. And Tim Duncan might not be playing this game. It's possibly going to be day-to-day with a chest contusion. I'll be checking out a lot of these games on the NBA League Pass free preview. So. Oh, yeah, same here, man, same here. I'm main man. All right, man, Semyon Varlamov, the goaltender, the goaltender for the Colorado Avalanche, was arrested recently for a domestic uh, violence uh, dispute, basically beat his girlfriend down. Um, I believe it was his girlfriend. But the funny part of this all is, and of course, domestic violence is not funny. Don't agree with it. One, one second, Varlamov is, is, is disgusting. 24-7 sports hub cares. <laughs> yes, we do. Um, but... The funny part is a Russian government official by the name of Igor Anansink, I, I believe his name is, of uh, Russia State Duma Committee for Physical Culture, Sport, and Youth Affairs. He is not pleased with how Varlamov has been treated, saying the situation is really strange, given that the Sochi Olympics will take place soon and Varlamov is a candidate to become a part of our national hockey team, which we do count on. What about presumption of innocence? Question mark. It's not normal at all. Says that the arrest is an effort to weaken the Russian Olympic team. Now, here's what I got to say about this, Jim. Mm-hmm. If Igor such and such, whatever his name is, from the Russian state of uh, you know Duma Committee, if he knew what hockey was in America, he would know that. And I hate to say it because I'm a big hockey fan. Nobody watches or follows hockey in the United States, and I guarantee you, the cops that arrested Semyon Varlamov had no idea what the Colorado Avalanche even was. So how could they make it an effort to weaken the Russian Olympic team? Well, well, then there's also the aspect of, remember, Russia has been a democratic nation for about mm, 20, 22 years, depending on what country you live in, what part of the former USSR. Yeah. So I don't think they truly understand the concept of innocent until proven guilty. Yeah, he was innocent until proven guilty. He was proven guilty rather quickly, though. Well, it's not like he was taken to court and they threw him in jail for a year. Well, exactly. He was arrested. I mean, I mean, good Lord Almighty. And I'm sorry, but when you see the girlfriend completely beaten to crap and Falomov doesn't have a scratch on him... I think you've got enough evidence, yeah. I think mm-hmm. you've got enough evidence for uh, domestic violence. This is just mind-numbingly stupid. And, and put this as another banner, uh, another gold star for the folks behind the Sochi Games between this and their anti-homosexual beliefs and ways and mannerisms, this is not going to be a pretty Olympiad. This is going to be one that's going to be marred by a lot of stuff away from the events that are going to just... Yeah. Yeah, it's not... It's not pretty. It's not pretty at all, and, you know... You know, this doesn't even take the cake, but this is going to be something that's going to start some stuff off. No, absolutely. It's just a mess. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Let's get into uh, our douchebag of the week. Oh, man. And this is former WWE wrestler, and I hate to call him wrestler because he was mostly an announcer for uh, the last couple of years, uh, made a comment via Twitter. This pains me because I like Stryker. Oh. I like Stryker, too, but I'm, I'm, I'm kind of glad I just saw him at Chilla Theater last week, and I, I was sitting there having a conversation with Hacksaw Jim Duggan, former WWE wrestler and Legend in his own right. Look at you drop. No, 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 no. That's not the biggest name you saw that whole day. Oh no, it's not. But I'm. But I wouldn't. Dude. Anyway. 
you know, let me explain. I'm sitting there talking to Dexter and Doug because they were both at the same table. Right. And the beautiful Brooke Tesma, uh, you know, Tesmacher was there. I'm a uh, gorgeous. I mean, looked phenomenal. And everybody's flocking to her. Nobody's flocking to Matt Stryker. One bit, he's standing behind looking around. I'm having a conversation with Hacksaw Jim Duggan, and Matt Stryker continues to looking over at us. And I thought I was going to be nice and say hello, but I decided not to. Kind of glad I didn't now. Um, he, he takes to Twitter and he says, I'll get crap for this. He said SH, you know, that word, for this. But if there's a tragedy at this Sunday's New York Marathon, that means the New York Knicks will be NBA champs. He is basically saying that the Boston St. Louis World Series was fixed because of the tragedy that struck the Boston Marathon earlier this year. Well, if, yeah. that, if that was the case, then then how come St. Louis won on a on an interference call earlier in the series? Uh, the pick off. I mean, you know, stu- you know. Oh, stupid- oh, I'm sorry because because we want to win it in Boston. That's right. Because well, for the love of all that is good in the world, conspiracy theorists piss off. Okay, I'm sorry. Sean Anderson from Hole of Very Good happens to write afterwards, and I'm going to say this, and I, and I quote Sean Williams here. It's funny sad to me how quick people jump on a conspiracy bandwagon nowadays, but Stryker might be onto something here. Oh, for the love of people. I mean, remember how following the September 11, 2001 attacks on New York, the Yankees won the World Series, or how in 2005 the New Orleans Saints hosted the Lombardi Trophy to help the city heal from the hur- Hurricane Katrina. Yeah, me neither. Why? Because they never happened. Thank Got you. Ah, see what you did there. I like that. Very well played. Yeah, Sean very Williams, well played. very well played there. Um, excuse me, Sean Anderson from uh, Hall of Very Good. Yeah, just a, a real douche, douche, douche comment from Matt Stryker. And you know better. You know what? I think we should present them with the award. What do you think? I, I think we need to give him not just the award, but the song in honor of him being Douchebag of the Week. A lot of douchebags of the year in this show. Yes, uh, Don Tolson doing good things for the community. Uh, <laughs> absolutely awesome effort, uh-uh. winning ways in my pocket. Unbelievable. Anyway, that's it for today's show, and it was a really good one. We want to thank our guest actor DB Sweeney of the movie Underdogs out today in theaters, and you can check it out at www.underdogsthemovie.com. Great cast, which we didn't get to uh, ask DB about. Um, between D.B. Sweeney, of course, himself playing the leading role. Richard Portnow, a very famous character actor, has been in so many different things. Uh, you know, the, the gorgeous Maddie Hassan from uh, ABC Family's Twisted, as well as actress and singer Natalie Imbruglia in the movie as well. So, oh, yeah. Lots of good actors, good actresses in this movie. It looks like a great movie. I can't wait to see it. It's on video demand November 5th. Check it out, Underdogs, the movie. It's a football movie if you love sports movies. Check it out. Once again, thank you to D.B. Sweeney for joining us, and we absolutely hope to have him with us again in the near future. Uh, Monday show, will be joined by former NBA player Billy Owens to talk NBA basketball between Jim, Billy, and myself. I'm really looking forward to that one. And then on November 6th, Dave Coulier. Yes, that's right, actor and comedian Dave Coulier. You might know him as Joey Gladstone from Full House. will be joining us here on 24-7 Sports Hub Radio as well. So we got a couple of really good shows coming up, Jim. You might say the show with Dave Coulier would be out of control. You might cut it out. 
<laughs> cut it out. I mean it now. Okay. Cut it out. We got to ask him if he could do that for us. But oh, of course he can. And he'll probably hang up. No, on he'll us. just hang up on us, and that'll be hilarious in and of itself too. Possibly, but we'll see what happens. Anyway, once again, thank you to DB Sweeney. Total class act. It was a real privilege and an honor for us to have him on today. Uh, we will be back Monday, 12 Eastern time. So, for, so for Jim Williams, I'm Jonathan Ragus. Enjoy your NFL weekend. And if you'll excuse us, it's now the countdown to the re-premiere of NBA Inside Stuff with the new main man, Grant Hill. And you know what? Yeah, Black Cat, MJ, (laughs) Michael Jordan, my main man. There he is. There he is. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.